Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio with your hosts, Anthony and Amy Russo. Grace and Peace Radio is a weekly Christian podcast where together we'll discuss how we can apply God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's our hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. And here we are again. Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. I am your host, Anthony. I'm your co-host, Amy. Today, we're going to turn the tables a bit. A little bit. And Amy is going to be running the show. Scary thought, folks. So, Amy, what are we talking about? Well, after we do our verse segment. What verse and why? Thank you. (laughs) We are going to be talking about the writing process, and specifically the writing process for you with your new book, Jesus Changed Everything. I'll explain more of why I came up with that in a minute, but let's first do... What verse and why? (laughs) So would you like to start us off on a verse? Yes, actually, I would. What verse and why is our new segment. If you listened last week, it was our inaugural segment of this. The idea is to share a verse that jumped out at us during our reading sometime Mm -hmm. this week. doesn't mean it was something we meditated on, thought about all week long, just something that kind of jumped out. So today I'm going to go with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one, yeah, each one should should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And really, that's kind of the theme of this episode. It Mm -hmm. was really the book, not to jump ahead, but it came out of a desire just to do something. And each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. And I love that faithfully, uh, I love the word faithfully in there. That this is something we should be faithful about doing. Mm-hmm. So whatever God has gifted you with and me with, we should be using those things for God's glory administering God's grace in its various forms. Excellent. First Peter 4.10. Well, interestingly enough, that sort of dovetails into my verse. And actually, it's two verses because there Jesus says it twice in Matthew. So my verse would be in Matthew 25, verse 29. For to everyone who has shall more be given. And he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Jesus first said this in Matthew 13, 12. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And for me, it was just a reminder of essentially what you were saying with, from First Peter is being faithful. The Lord has given us gifts. We need to figure out what those gifts are. And it's not some grandiose gift. Just be faithful to it. Be faithful to what the Lord has given you. Very good. Yeah. Very good. And I was reading out of the New American Standard, which is the version I'm reading through this year. Very good. 
All right. So before we get into the heart of what we're doing, I want to play a little clip that Andrew Repapor and I recorded this week about the Christian Podcast Community Annual Awards. So let me just play that real quick, and then we'll come right back. Andrew, that is some triumphant music. You know what else is triumphant? Awards. That reminds me, you know what time of year it is? Well, it's coming to the end of the year, so I think that might mean that we're getting ready for another Christian Podcast Community Podcast Awards. That's right. That's right. It's time for us to go look back over the year and say, okay, what are some of the best episodes from the Christian podcast community? But we need some help doing this. We can't do it alone. So what we're looking for, folks, is if you have good Christian podcasts that you like, you listen to, good episodes, special, and not just your regular run-of-the-mill type episodes, but some episode that you think really was worth going above and beyond, let us know. Email us your favorite podcasts and your favorite podcast episodes. Send it to info at christianpodcastcommunity.org. That's info at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Let us know the podcasts you think deserve an award, and let us know the specific episodes that you think deserve an award. But remember, they have to be Christian podcasts. Okay, so as we were trying to come up with an idea for this week to record, I got to thinking about pretty much in the Russo household, getting ready for and doing the final preparation for Ant's new book has been at the forefront, obviously, and naturally. As we've mentioned before on the show, Ant has a new book coming out. Pre-order now, it actually comes out December 1st, and it's called Jesus Changed Everything. That's correct. So what I was thinking about is interviewing Anth on the writing process. And the reason for that is I got to thinking about it. And as most of you know, I'm a reader. I enjoy reading. I enjoy the process. I enjoy authors. And I'm just curious as to how they come about doing what they do. So sometimes when I have an opportunity, if it's an author I like, I'll look them up and see what they might have online as far as, you know, how did they come up with their storyline? You know, what's their writing process, that kind of thing. I like it because it helps me get closer to the author and because it's work that I enjoy. So I figured, well, why not do that with my husband? There we (laughs) go. And I just think it's important. So this is why we're doing what we're doing. Fire away. My first question is, how did the idea of the book come about? So about how long ago, when, how? Multi-part question. Okay. Okay. Hang on one second. I just realized that in order to get into proper author mode, I needed to go get something. So hold on. Okay. I'm back. (laughs) So audience, I now have my proper Yes. author pipe so he, i'm he does i'm at the ready i don't actually he doesn't smoke them i don't smoke pipes but i do have like three or four pipes so it's okay so all right yeah that that'll be good for your editing process <laughs> puff 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 yeah i'm giving the audience it, again theater 
of, of the, the mind. mind. Oh. All right, now let me uh, pontificate. Let me pontificate. Let me stare <laughs> off intellectually. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was your question? <laughs> I wondered if that had kind of floated away. All right, Mr. Puffer. Now, how did how did the idea of the book come about? Well, funnily enough, much the same way that the idea for this podcast came about, in January of 2020, pre-COVID, I just didn't feel like I had an opportunity to serve much in the local church to, to, to do anything, and I wanted to do something. I just wanted to do something that I felt like was doing something for getting the gospel out there. So on a whim, pretty much, I created this podcast. So that's really how it came about. There wasn't a whole lot of thought to it. I just had a USB microphone and created something. And because of my background is in IT, I went for it. Well, in the same way, fast forward to the middle of 2020. And I had the idea that I wanted to do another book. I had put together a bunch of blog posts back in 2014. And that was my first book. And I didn't really know what I was doing then. And so this time I wanted to do, again, I would go to restaurants, I'd go, you know, talk to people, whatever. And I I didn't want to just leave a gospel tract. I wish there was some way I could give somebody a book or, or a pamphlet, something from me. And that, that made this connection like, oh, this guy wrote this thing. and Personalize it. Yeah. So that was really the start of it. And, and it just kind of went from there. Excellent. Okay. So what, what would you say is your writing process? That Let comes me, the that, pipe. That comes the pipe. <laughs> Next comes the choking. <laughs> if you were actually don't, smoking it. Don't make me pull out my three manual typewriters. <laughs> so the writing, what was the question? <laughs> I love this. What is your writing process? Do you have a writing process? Yeah, um... It took a year and a half to write this because I would write something and then I'd put it down for a while. I, you know, something, something would happen. I'd talk to my, my editing publisher friend, Jim, and about the project and that would kind of fire me up and then I'd do a little work and then put it down. And anyway, but really the writing process is, I don't believe in writer's block. I'm a firm believer that there's no reason for anyone to have writer's block. The the key is to consider it a challenge to move the cursor across the screen and write anything. If you have to write scrambled eggs to get started, just start. And out of that comes the words. The biggest hindrance is if I sit there and stare at a blank say an open word document and the cursor is just blinking. And I'm thinking I have to write the greatest, clearest, most biblically faithful gospel presentation ever. I mean, that kind of pressure mm-hmm. on yourself mm-hmm. that this thing has to be 
perfect. And that's that's the worst pressure because that, that does lock you up. So really, I just try when I'm in the when I feel like writing, I write. And when I don't, I don't. And thankfully, I found out that there are a lot of writers who write that way, famous novelists and so forth, that, you know, some of them treat it like a job where every single day at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. or whatever it was, they would start writing and whether they wrote for an hour or eight hours kind of thing. Um, And then some of them are just like, when I'm interested, I'll do it. Do you have goals for yourself when you do start writing? Does that help? Um, I don't like to leave something undone. I don't like to leave... If I've started uh, an essay or a chapter or something, a thought, I have to see it through. And so I don't like to... Some writers will leave themselves notes at the end of it of where they want to go with the piece. I don't like that. I, I I can't function that way. If my brain is already in it, that I've already got thoughts going, then I just keep typing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I may, st- because then, then the real key, which we could maybe talk about later is the, the rewriting process, the editing, that's where the magic happens. But anyway, yeah, I have to finish the thought. Okay. Well, that actually does kind of segue into the next question, which is you know, multi-part only in the sense that I had some ideas of, you know, what that is, since obviously I've been help part of the process of you talking this the big out. Part. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, what do you believe are the important parts of the editing process? And you mentioned rewriting, so maybe that comes before the editing process. It's both. You know, I think the biggest challenge in writing is actually getting the first draft out. It's actually get it's actually doing the thing, getting something started. And then then it goes you go back, you know, you let it rest for a while, then you come back to it and there's a lot of editing that happens as I'm writing it the first time. You know, there's a certain amount of you're you're choosing your words as you're going along. I self-edit when I write, which a lot of writers don't, but I, I tend to. Then in the, in the editing part, I'll go back through and I really look for, is this sentence too long? Are there too many ideas packed into the sentence? Are there too many clauses? Is it too broken up? Is it not clear enough? Mm-hmm. I'm very particular about, I want my writing to appeal to a broad base of readers. I mean, I've written the academic stuff for school. And I, I'm i not interested in, in that. Uh, I'm not interested in writing to pastors and theologians. I like to write to regular people. So it's it's cleaning up the writing, smoothing it out. It's really the same kind of language that someone who does woodworking would use. You're, you're trying to smooth out the rough edges. You're trying to make it all look seamless, mm-hmm. have a nice flow to it. That's one of the things I had written down was the idea of flow and being willing to move things around. Yeah. And that's a, that, that's a great point because you get to a point where you're not just looking at the individual sentences and the individual words, but now you you have to look at the paragraphs 
and the sections and even the chapters and say, so now you have to look, take another step back and view it and view these chunks of text and these, and these chunks of ideas and say, well, this really belongs over here. That, that can be a challenge because now in your mind, you're, you're holding on to these large chunks of ideas. Mm-hmm. And now in your mind, you're trying to shift them around. Which is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes into what, what you said that one of the things that you've learned in writing is what is, should an author be willing to do? There's two things in that. One, I forget who said it, but there's a, a f- famous writer who said, in order to be a good writer, you have to be willing to kill your darlings. You have to be willing to delete, to edit, to remove those sentences, those turns of phrase that you think are just fantastic. You have to say, but it doesn't work here. It doesn't fit here. To be willing to to kill it. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten better about that. It's hard. You know, you think, wow, that's a, that's a cool phrase. And nope got to go. It doesn't Well, fit. sure. I mean, even when you and I have discussed it and I've been proofreading something and you read something out loud, it's like, oh man, I really like that sentence. But as you talk it out, right. you, I understand that, yeah, that really has to go yeah. to make the flow and mm-hmm. the idea cohesive. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing too cohesive. is you have to work with a, an editor. First of all, you have to work with an editor, period. I don't think any writer should be publishing anything that's not properly edited. I've seen a lot of independent publishing that looks terrible. And I'll jump in on that. I've read a lot of independent publishing that the ideas were good, the subject matter was good, but it was honestly ruined because it wasn't proofread and edited well. Right. I did, and the same thing happened to me just recently. I, I pulled up a free sample of an ebook of a writer, and I thought, well, this, this guy's got some similar ideas, or it seems like it. Let me, let me see how he writes. And it was just riddled with useless typos. And, mm-hmm. It's you know, very distracting. It, it was. And it was just a shame. It's like, why did you spend time and money and, and all this to do this? But it's a mess. So, so you have to work with an editor. You also have to work with an editor who who understands what and when to edit and when not to. I remember when I was in my f- mid-30s, you know, this is the mid to or early 2000s and you know, 2006, 2007, and I w- had to work with the writing tutor at at my my undergraduate program. I was working full time, you know, I'm 30 something years old. And I go to this writing tutor lady because all of us had to go through this program. And she was fastidious about grammar and really knew grammar well. And, but she eviscerated my writing. I mean, she, she tore it up. And it didn't even sound like me. And, and she was adamant that you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. And she was frankly obnoxious about it. And I knew that it was, it was good writing. I mean, it, I knew it was, it was okay. You know, just like in music, anybody who's familiar with music knows 
you have to learn the rules of music. If you're a musician, you have to practice the scales. And then there comes a point, like jazz, where you get to improvise and you get to bend the rules Mm -hmm. and sometimes even break the rules. Writing is no different. There comes a point where grammatically it may not be perfect. It may not be grammatically correct, but the important thing is it hits the ear. Mm -hmm. And if it hits the ear, it connects with the reader. And that is more important than whether or not some English teacher is going to give an A for the book. Exactly, because there's a certain amount of frankly, heart and soul into a piece of writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And it's like you said, it's how it hits the ear. And if it doesn't resonate with the reader, it can be as grammatically correct as all get out, but it's it's not going to stick. Right. And I'll just say this, and then we can move on. Think about this conversation we're having. If we were to transcribe this, it would look terrible. Mm-hmm. It would be run-on sentences, fragments. It'd be a mess. You wouldn't even know where to punctuate and so forth. And yet, you listeners, you understand what we're saying. You're following the conversation because it's hitting the ear correctly. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between being grammatically correct, which is important. It is important because it it could be a train wreck. Right. (laughs) Because if we were even speaking now without being 95% grammatically correct, mm-hmm. nobody would be able to understand it. Right. But if there is a difference between being grammatically perfect and being able to write for the ear of the reader. Mm-hmm. And a good editor knows the difference there and also can keep your voice, your author voice, as they make their small changes. Right. And thankfully, Jim Holmes... At great writing. Well, did, and that's did a great job. With and that. that goes into uh, one of my questions is how did Jim and great writing, which is greatwriting.org, mm-hmm. how did he become involved? How did how did that happen? Well, any story is a good story if it starts with bacon. <laughs> I cannot disagree with that. So I guess I have to give credit to bacon before I even <laughs> give credit to Jim. <laughs> Which I'm sure he'll appreciate. I say all that because (laughs) Jim and I met three years ago at a men's breakfast at his church. Providentially, we sat down next to each other. My neighbor invited me to go, Mm -hmm. who also goes to the church. Jim and I sat down next to each other. We started talking and his background is in publishing all his life. I had written the previous book, was interested in writing, and, and we just hit it off. And... Had a great time, ate bacon, <laughs> talked about writing, had coffee. Uh, you know. It was like the perfect exactly. Saturday morning. <laughs> exactly. And so the funny thing is, then three years later, and we've been friends ever since, good friends, we live nearby and so forth. And three years later, just last month, went to the same men's breakfast. And here we are. We actually had completed one project and had a second one done. I went back and re- revised my first book, Pleasant Places, with Jim. So yeah, so the Lord providentially brought us together. We talked three years ago about maybe doing a project together, and now here we are, we've done two. So, yeah, yeah. To God be the glory. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, um, on my own personal note here, that I do find important with this is that this whole project from beginning to end has been 
with the idea of glorifying the Lord and sharing that with others. That's mm-hmm. that's been the primary purpose and, yeah. and goal of of this this book. Right. Ninety nine percent of authors don't make real money from this from their books. Oh heavens no. You mm-hmm. know. I I'm certainly not in it for the money or the glory, but it's a it's a resource that I believe can be used to give the gospel to people. And one more thing about Jim. I gave Jim a rough draft of what I thought the cover could possibly look like. And he took my the equivalent of my crayon, mm-hmm. broken crayon sketch and turned it into this masterpiece. So Jim also gets credit for the, the cover artwork. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So. Absolutely. And I, and I think that goes with the question of um, how important formatting is. Oh, formatting is, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Formatting is huge. I didn't realize that the first time, the first book that I did all by myself. I hired somebody from Fiverr.com, I think, to format the book. But when you have somebody who knows what they're doing, it gives, obviously your words are, they're intangible, they're ideas. So it's hard to connect something as abstract as an idea. But Jim, when he put the formatting together, that's visual. And so he gave a visual representation as you flip through the book and you see how it's laid out. You give it, He gave a visual representation of the sound, the tone, the language, the ideas of the book. And that's, I didn't understand that until really we got farther along in the process, but it's huge. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. It's, Formatting and, is huge, yeah. Because uh, I know I've even read some really good, solid books, you know, Christian books, that I found the, the formatting highly distracting right. from what yep. was being said. So, yeah, I learned that as well as watching you two go through that process. My only concern is that the cover and the formatting are so good that it's the words and ideas that are going to take away from the cover and formatting. <laughs> so Jim kind of upstaged me. I'm, I'm, I'm secretly angry about this, but we'll, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. You too. Jim will just chuckle at this. He, he knows my husband. What did you discover toward the end of the actual writing when you were all, really almost done with the book, which changed everything? Ah, I see what you did there. Mm, thank you. So, again, this was really the first, first time I really understood the book writing process. And I was learning it as I went. In between the first book and this book, I had done a kind of like one of those 99 cent ebook how to mm-hmm. things, just kind of this throwaway thing of anyway, when I was just exploring that. It's not a Christian book or anything. But anyway, um, so this was different. Well, really, until I worked on it, I didn't work on it on off. I just never was wild about the whole thing. It just it just felt like a mashup of these random chapters and there was no flow. There was no, I, I that's you probably didn't why feel I, it was cohesive. Yeah. it's probably why I kept putting it down because it just felt like this is going nowhere. And thankfully the Lord used some conversations I was having with a friend of mine 
in telling him about the Lord to bring me back around to, you need to finish that book because you could have just given him the book and said, here you go, instead of sending up, you know, a thousand texts. So that was one thing, you know, and if he needs it, who else could, could benefit from it? So that was the impetus to actually get, really get this thing across the line, as they say. And then as Jim and I were, were really trying to work with the, the, the layout inside, the artwork and, and everything, somewhere along the line, I changed the title from, it was going to be Jesus Changes Everything to Jesus Changed Everything. And that that was incredible because that happened on a, on a Friday, I think it was, mm-hmm. and it totally changed the direction of the book. It gave it a a unity that now I had this idea. This I can't explain it how just changing from changes to changed did it. But it was sort of the the line that tied it all. Mm-hmm together or allowed you to tie it all together. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then it gave me a structure and it gave me a, a framework to, to finish building around. And so in the course of a weekend, as you know, we were traveling up to West Virginia to go pick up uh, your mother and there at the coffee shop in West Virginia, the one tourist rest stop i have my laptop and i'm working in the back of the the van as we're driving up there and i totally changed everything around i changed the chapters around uh, there, there, there there's a flow that wasn't there before and it was amazing to me there was such an aha moment that just changing the title totally, totally opened my eyes and, and totally blew my mind as far as how radically different the book was. And suddenly it became a real book. And I, I was like, I was almost afraid of it. <laughs> I was like, whoa, like, Lord, you brought this together. Mm-hmm. In, in, it was like the Exodus where nothing's going on for 430 years. And then, you know, there's this hard slog of Moses and Pharaoh going back and forth. And, all, and then finally the Lord says, yeah, we're out of here. Let's go. Yep. And that's how this whole thing just in in a weekend, it just boom, there yeah. it was. And from then on, it was just like, oh, okay, we're look, now all we got to do is land the plane. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty wild. I mean, it was again, it was, was interesting to watch. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And I I enjoyed watching the process. The last question I have, and, and you alluded to this in the beginning, but I, I think it's important to maybe briefly discuss this again, is who is your audience for this book? I want it for nominal Christians, people who maybe go to church, maybe they don't go to church, but they profess to be a Christian, profess to be a born-again Christian. It's for them. It's for non-Christians. Because even non-Christians, for the most part, have had some exposure to Christianity. For the most part. Especially here in the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously... If you were raised Hindu or Muslim or whatever, that's different. Anyway, but it's it's for people who need to hear the gospel or need to hear the gospel and what biblical Christianity looks like in the life of an ordinary believer, what it what it should really look like. 
And this coming from someone who was a nominal exactly. Christian yes. for many Raised years. Raised Catholic, then became one of those people who walks an aisle, prays a prayer, and then doesn't live at all like a Christian for 20 years. So been there, done that. And so that's the primary audience. I think along with that, a secondary audience is I wrote it in a way that I wanted it to be something that could be used as a gift resource at churches where they can put their logo on the on the back of it, their name on the front of it, personalize it. Here's a gift from uh, our church. And this way people come, they hear the gospel, and then they're able to take the gospel home with them and a reminder of about their church experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a tangible, in their hand, reminder of what they experienced at church. And it's a gift. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a church coffee mug. I've had several. No problem with that. I think it's great. But I also think it'd be great to give a takeaway gospel. Mm-hmm. To and, reinforce what they yeah. heard and from the pulpit. It's 120 pages. takes just a couple hours to read. It's conversational. Mm-hmm. I really try to avoid a lot of the Christianese that we might use or heavy theological words if i if i if they're in there i explain what they are but you know like sanctification is probably the biggest word right but anyway that's that's really who the audience Mm -hmm. is but i also think it would all of us benefit from from these kinds of books so i think even mature christians and i think it's good too if you as a believer as a christian as a mature christian I say read it first because this way you can have something to talk about with your friend or family right. member. So I think it's good for Christians to read it as well. Well, and I found it helpful, and no, I'm not saying this because you wrote it, but I found it helpful just even when I was doing the, the editing and some editing and proofreading that it was encouraging. It was a reminder of how Jesus changed everything and and how Jesus changed my life and appreciating that, mm-hmm. reminding myself to appreciate just how much that, how much impact that has. Right. Yeah. I, I really hope that the Lord uses this. This is what our prayer is. So and again, it's, you know, it's Jesus changed everything. He changed history. He can change your story just as he changed ours. Yeah. So, yeah. And if I can just say, listener, if you, you know, if you, if you can, if you buy it, you read it, you recommend it to your pastor, to your elders, to, you know, hey, what do you think about this as a, as a gift to, to people, to visitors? If you know of an independent Christian bookstore in your area and they might be interested in carrying it, have them contact me, Anthony at graceandpeaceradio.com. Yeah. Oh, and also, I just want to say the reminder of the online event, Tuesday, right? Tuesday night, you know, November thirtieth, eight to eight thirty Eastern. Uh, we're going to be doing a Facebook Live. I honestly have no idea yet how to do a Facebook Live <laughs> other than hit go live. And I know I want to give away some copies of the book, some copies of Pleasant Places because now that's revised mm-hmm. and updated. And I don't know what all it's going to be, but 
Either way, come watch a train. I say, like, I would say, come along. Well, let's let's say, come along for the ride. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Let, you know, it might be a roller coaster, but yeah. let's not no, say it that it's a fun. train ride. No, it should be. You you'll figure it out. You always do. Well, thanks. And, but uh, yeah, that's it. That's the story. <clears throat> well, thank you, Anthony Russo, for uh, thank you being and- willing to. Subject yourself to my question. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for all of your editing. Thank you for your patience while I was holed up in my office writing and uh, all, all these different things. So I, I appreciate you very much. And uh, your name's not on the cover, but you certainly have a large part of the book. Oh, so well. Appreciate you. It's a joy to watch you go, th- go through this and, and do what you love to do and, and what I firmly believe you're gifted to do. So. With Thank that, oh yes, as the pipe goes back. <laughs> on so, that note, folks. On that note, <laughs> hey, uh, I am. Um, I'll be doing a, a recording with Daniel Minnick from Truth Espresso, the podcast Truth Espresso, also a member of the Christian podcast community. And so, I want to go ahead and play a little promo of his podcast because um, I'll have him on the show here soon. And so, anyway, this is this is his. You can check this out as well. And I'll also be meeting with. Uh, some other podcasts, so I'll announce that as well. I don't want to spend all episode giving up announcements of things, but uh, anyway. So here's uh, the Truth Espresso one. We're gonna go. We're gonna go right out into the uh, music after this. So thank you so much for joining us, and the Lord bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes, thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Daniel Minnick here. I host a podcast called Truth Espresso, and I am inviting you to join in. So what can you expect at Truth Espresso? Well, at Truth Espresso, we wake up our minds every Monday with a robust shot of truth. Let's dig deep in the Word of God as we get to know our God better together. Let's challenge our view of the world as we take apart conventional politics with a fine-toothed comb. See all that Truth Espresso has to offer by going to www.truthespresso.com. And by the way, Truth Espresso is now a member podcast of the growing family of the Christian podcast community. Check out other faith-building shows at christianpodcastcommunity.org, hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word, looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. Grace and Peace Radio is honored to be a member of the Christian podcast community. It's a ministry of striving for eternity. Find more Christian podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.com. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com and on Facebook. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.